Welcome back from the States. Thank you very much. I don't have a weird accent or a swagger or anything like that. Um, how are you, how are you doing, Mark? How have you been? It's been a little while. It has. They're no, really good. We're uh, what are we now? We're. I don't like to date stamp these in case it doesn't get sort of. We don't put it up on <laughs> online as well. But I will say we're in midsummer and the it's just getting warmer again. We had a cold spell for over the, for the weekend, but now it's nice and warm. The sun's shining here in uh, sunny Devon. Uh, I'm imagining it's probably a little bit. Well, it's nighttime where you are. What's the what's the weather yeah, like today? It's, it's it's not too bad. It's been like 20 degrees in the daytime. It's colder at night time. I'm excited by your British summer because football kicks off this weekend. <laughs> so it feels like summer, You're even so though British, it's not we? summer. Weather and football. I know. And I went to watch Mary Poppins on Friday night as well. Ah, so there we go. Even more British. British. <laughs> How was it? <laughs> It was really good. Like, I love a live theatre show. And so I was just kind of on the back of going to a couple in America. And we went to one in Sydney. It's always nice to go to live things. Wow. Yeah. And it just that just who played Mary Poppins? Anyone you know? Uh, no one famous. We don't no. have very many famous people that come all the way to Australia. No one famous, but she was absolutely fantastic, the lady who played Mary Poppins. She was great. It was very I she was probably, I, I'm assuming she'd have been in Neighbours or Home and Away at some point in her career path. Possibly, possibly, <laughs> or likely. maybe, yeah. <laughs> Incidentally, <laughs> and I know this is so sad, again, very British, there was the last episode of Neighbours aired the other day. Tears were shared across the country. Scott and Charlotte made an mom... appearance. <laughs> I know, like, weirdly, my mum knew more about it than I did. Amazing. <laughs> Which is kind of, I love that you're in England and you watch the end of Neighbours, oh, and I don't yes. even know anything about oh, it. Listen, it, it, has... on, it. It was on, it was on. We we grew up with it, you know, it's like this. We had it in, I remember <laughs> watching it at school and then sort of in lunch breaks, just bizarre. Anyway, enough about neighbours. What are we here to talk <laughs> about this today? We are going to talk about today, after we've talked about what we might have been up with in the last, like, it's six weeks since we did the last one, I think, Mark. But what we're going to talk about is networking, um, which is something that we kind of flaked around what we might talk about this time. And then based on the fact that I was going to some networking event thing down at Luna Park, we went, let's talk about networking. Yes. So I think, what is networking to you? Let's, let's start off there, because I know we, everyone has a different opinion on what networking is. So what would you frame as networking? Uh, this is the only part of this podcast I've been prepared for, and I've written down my definition of networking. And I put, it's inter interacting with other people to exchange information or develop professional and social skills. So I think we're going to obviously talk about it probably more in a professional context. But I think there's a level of networking, even for social things or interests, meetups, that kind of thing is a certain style of networking, just in a different purpose. What about you? What's your dictionary definition? My dictionary definition? Uh, I have to say, for the, for the most part, I don't like the phrase networking. It conjures up some really awful memories in my mind, which I'll discuss in a bit. But my definition of networking is... Um, an exchange of ideas among people with a common interest or goal. And I think, do you think of, when you think of the word networking, does this there's always a sketch that you might remember from the British office where they're kind of all trying to be cool around the water cooler? And I think in an office scenario, is that level of networking where you're just trying to be liked? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that. But imagine that when I think about it, and I when I first started building my, my little business um, many years ago, I was advised to go to these, um, they were called B&I meetings, which is um, basically breakfast 
network meetings where these sort of SMEs or small business owners would go into these sort of uh, hotel um, business rooms, if you like, or conference rooms. At around seven in the morning, there'd be sort of Danish pastries and sort of coffees set up and you'd, everyone would sit around the table. There might be 20 odd people. Everyone would get sort of one minute there or thereabouts to stand up and present their business, present their elevator pitch. Uh, and then people would sit down and talk about how they can refer other people's business to other people's um, other people to other people's businesses. Um, and I, they're extremely cringeworthy. They all run it to such a strict protocol. Um, and I just remember coming away from those meetings thinking, everyone is just trying the hard sell upon you. And they don't really feel like they're really going to help you, but you feel like you've got to do it. The benefit to them, to my mind, was it allowed you to present your business in an environment which you don't necessarily get to always do, but then also hone your elevator pitch, which I think is really important. We can come on to that too. Um, but the whole notion behind going into a forced networking environment and handing every business card, giving them back, they can work in, in some contexts, but for the most part, it feels so forced um, that you come away thinking, I don't think I've been through it. I've got a coffee. I might have spent 10 quid to get there and, you know, paid like a, an admin fee to get in there to present my business. Uh, and you come away from there. I haven't, I've got a couple of new LinkedIn um, contacts uh, most of whom I won't really contact ever again. They're just there and they'll probably see what I post every now and again. But that's what I think of when I think of networking. And I don't think that's a uh, a healthy version of networking. I don't know if you have the same list. Do you think of the same? And I think that's, that's, that, that sounds like an absolute nightmare. And I do know there is a group of people here in Sydney that are called Toast that do exactly that. They get together for breakfast meetings, which if you're a creative person and someone says to you, we can meet before office hours at 6 a.m. and we can all talk about what we do. To anyone who's a creative person, the thought of getting up to do anything at 6 a.m., let alone talk about yourself and your business and your mission and your vision is a nightmare. Um, but I think to your point, the practice of, of narrowing down, like, what am I here for? What do I do? It, it, it's, it is kind of good practice. Um, but yeah, that would be an absolute nightmare for me, Mark. And the forced pastries and coffee and trying to make nice. And I think that kind of reflects how culture has moved as well. Like people don't want fake interactions anymore. They want authenticity. So I think just the thought of like, let's all, you know, go in and see how we can help each other. There's also so many more opportunities to network beyond forced networking now as well. So there was, I always think about things where it was like, and I'd been to one just last week where there was a load of presentations. It was a part of Ad Week, which is the uh, Australia focused for the advertising industry. But there are actually quite a lot of really well-organized talks about um, people talking about where sustainability might go in the future, why people are buying into purpose over them from businesses and stuff. <laughs> but there's still even that. And we got these beautiful passes. It was a great day. We got to meet some nice people. But there was still that. Even listening to the talks, you felt like people are still trying to force who they are. But we had a great talk by a, a, one, a British guy, actually, from CNN. Did a great talk about why people are buying into purpose, but rippled all the way through it with pieces of work they'd done. That it was still in some way a bit of a hard sell. Yeah. you've got. I think you've got to approach those. That's it. I think that's the challenge, is you've got to be kind of a bit more... Uh, humble about why you're there you, you're there to sell yourself as well but you're also there to sort of try and understand how other people work and learn from other people 
and learn how how they function and that whether you end up working with or not in the in the sort of future is neither here nor there for the most part you have to think about it as i just want to learn more and if you happen to get some form of useful business connection from it great but for the most part it's just fundamentally about fundamentally about learning but i think what you've said already is whereas let's say 20 years ago when i first started to trying to sell my wares as it were in these sort of network meetings um things have changed so we've got the likes of linkedin and you spoke before about even using other online portals to show portfolio work from a creative perspective behance for example um and I'm sure there's plenty more examples. These are all networking uh, portals, should we like, to sort of show peers what you're doing. So networking isn't just about trying to get new business from other people. It's also about connecting with people who are on the same um, trajectory as you in terms of what they want to do and what they want to achieve, just so you can share um, your work and hopefully influence and help other people. And they can do the same and you can glean experience from what they've been up to. So we can, the big the elephant in the room, which we all use, and we like to, I like to use it. I, I certainly use it as sort of my main source of um, connecting is LinkedIn. Um, and I know you use, use it as well. Um, do you find that as a useful platform? So I love LinkedIn. Um, and I've loved LinkedIn for a long time before it was even popular. And I think, so recently I'm going to do a bit of name dropping us. When I was in America, I caught up with our good friend, Chris Doe. Um, and we talked a little bit about LinkedIn from a creative point of view, because most people in their LinkedIn feeds, they use it for business platform. And it's always been a business platform, but slowly over time, more creative people have got on board with it and realized the potential within LinkedIn. Um, we think about like we follow creative people, so we will get lots of creative input on our feeds. But most people use it from a business point of view. Their feeds are very boring. So as a creative person, you can actually influence some of those feeds because you once you get in there, you can start to enhance what they're seeing, I suppose, because we come at it from a different angle. It's not a creative platform. It's a business platform. Great potential because it's, I mean, I know at least half of my design team are not even on LinkedIn or if they are, they've got a profile they set up when it first started and never use it. I'm on it. I'm on LinkedIn more than I mean, don't, no one really uses Facebook anymore. I feel like Facebook is kind of gone for um, it's kind of just for family and friends that you used to contact overseas. But I I even use LinkedIn more than Instagram. And I'm a big Instagrammer. Like I'm a, I'm a big fan. And I think that's also a form of networking as well. Um, but there's a certain level of content that you can put across professionally from LinkedIn. Gary V does a great podcast where he talks about opportunities and optimism and, and where to focus your attention. And he talks about the reason people make content. So if you're going to post on LinkedIn, you must think about the content you're putting forward. If you post on any platform, you think about the content. But a recent podcast with him was talking very much about why do you post content? Is it for you or is it to add value to someone else? And he says LinkedIn is the office and Instagram is the club. And I love those two analogies of think about the audiences and what your purpose of being there to network is for. No, it's a really good point. Um, I like LinkedIn, and it's probably one of the only social platforms that um, I still really use. That and I, and Behance, but I use Behance really as just a portfolio sort of portal more than anything else. But LinkedIn, um, I also love to look at what other people are doing, other agencies, what they're up to, what they're uh, commenting on. I think the other thing is because people are sharing opinions within LinkedIn and it's really nice to sort of see what other, other people's opinions are and then you can form your own opinion upon it. Um, there is 
and having been a sort of quite a, I wouldn't say heavy user, but a sort of a good user of LinkedIn is this over the last few years, I've noticed that people are posting more and more personal information about what they're up to, even charitable uh, things they're doing for charity, that sort of thing. I, I like it. I like it because it shows people's personality and we talk about authenticity all the time and what how brands should be a bit, sort of be demonstrating their authentic approach. Um, and I think people, when we, businesses and people, now this is the other thing we were just discussing, which is probably worth sort of bringing up now, is you have personal brands, which people talk about the last five, 10 years, the word or the phrase personal brand has become quite important and it's how you sell yourself. Now, you could be a business and still have a personal brand. Um, and this is where I think I, this discussion is probably going to lead to um, is as a small business owner and someone who works as, let's say, a freelancer for, for the most part, um, how I present myself as and my personal brand is quite important. Yet if you're an employee within a business, um, you still have a personal brand within, within a larger business. And it's still important for you to present yourself as a brand, as a personal brand. Would you agree, Liz? Because I know that you're probably in that realm now where you are working in a larger business, but you still have your own personal brand that you want to put out there because you're, you're a personality in your own right. I do, and it's something I've been very conscious of since I started working with SGK, is to retain that personal brand. It's the reason we still do our podcasts, because they're a part of me that, sure, I'm part of SGK, but I don't have to like be viewed only as like that the entity. So I think it's important for me, like I comment on LinkedIn, I connect with people on LinkedIn. I actually am more fascinated. I like to watch businesses, brands and how they react more than other design agencies on LinkedIn. I love to see great creative work, but I actually love some of the conversations that are going on. Like I follow a few um, lab grow meat companies or because they're spaces that fascinate personal interests, but also business interests, because I'd love to work with those kind of brands to help them communicate in the world where they you know like to help people connect with them um so I, I kind of use linkedin for that i have a different view on how personal people get with linkedin i love linkedin but i do think there's a level of vulnerability that has crept into it and all about it's nice to see humanity in there so i like the stories that talk about you need to sell a bit of your personal story but i do think there's one or two now and then that start to become like that post on facebook that tell you all about their family history and the sob story that goes behind it, that it kind of, it makes me cringe a little bit, but maybe that's just, I'm crap at vulnerability and I'm not very good. Like I'd never want, I, I, and I spoke to Chris though about this, but I kind of, I don't really, I want to talk about bravery and resilience, but I don't necessarily want everyone to know why I've been brave and resilient to which his point is like, you need to weave your story into it. Like, no, I don't want people to feel sorry for me or have any view on why I got to where I got to and he's like but you have to tell a story somehow so I think the way people tell their stories has become a little bit too vulnerable there's so many I don't want to say pity stories because I think they're valuable and I think they're valid to that person but I just think they detract a little bit from the purpose of the platform like I don't know how much you learn I think more that you don't want to be seen as let's say for example I present a story on the reason why I love exercise let's and, but I don't want to be known as that person who loves exercise. I want to be known for my business acrement or my sort of design skills, whatever, rather than the fact I love exercise. And so there's that fine balance. And if you present yourself too, too vulnerable and too much about the story behind Mark, Mark Gray, 
um, it could end up getting in the way of the, what you really want to say. So I think that's where it becomes a little bit of a challenge. You've got to present something about it because people want to learn about you. Who is Lisa Hastings? Uh, what is she about? What does she think? But then they also want to write, what's Lisa Hastings doing? What can she do in a, from a professional capacity? What, can, what, what has she done? And that's where telling the right story in the right frame is important within LinkedIn. And I think finding that balance is probably <clears throat> more important. And I, and I think it's important to like to LinkedIn to to update your presence on there often. Um, and then to to your point, like people would actually want to know you as like why you're interested in exercise or why you're interested. I mean, you and I talk about health and wellness and stuff like that all the time. Um, and you know, we were talking before this podcast about this groovy little thing that I've got in my finger that's all about monitoring sleep and tracking sleep. And that comes from a point of view of the challenges that you face and how difficult it's been for you to overcome them or to face them. Can you make it easier for other people? So that's the sharing of knowledge, not to go, this is who I am and this is why I find this challenging, to go, I overcame this challenge, this is how. Can you help someone else on that journey? So it's about sharing a story in the hope that your story might empower them to react differently or conquer some of the challenges they're facing. So I quite like those kind of stories. People need the context sometimes as to why your passions come from. No one would think, Mark is a fitness trainer over a creative problem solver, but the, the ability to solve problems comes from somewhere. And the good thing about these, all of these social platforms now is you can filter your algorithm or filter the, the, your feed. Um, so if there's certain people that you find are posting stuff which you don't find as valuable, you can, I don't want to say mute them, but you know what I mean? You can sort of oversee that in some way. Uh, and I think that's really helpful because some people, whilst offering valuable uh, information on these platforms, every now and again, they might post something you might not find as, as important. So tell me, Mark, what about your current network? Um, and we can talk about LinkedIn or whatever. How did you get your current network? Where do, You place obviously a lot of emphasis on LinkedIn in terms of getting clients and stuff. But I think about like when we first started in the industry, and I know we were talking about this a little bit earlier, how did you even start to build your network because years ago when we started in the industry i mean i went straight from a graphic design degree into advertising and it was the era of people would leave toilet rolls outside agency doors with their phone number on <laughs> just to get attention yes. how wacky can you be yeah. to get into an ad agency yeah. um you'd have business cards that instead of being a regular business card it might fold out and show all your work it would be very very kind of like what we would call creative but now if we look back at it we go oh my goodness i did that how did you get going in the industry? What did you do when you first graduated to, to kind of get your foot in the door? Because networking is also an opportunity to get your foot in the door, but there needs to not just be, let me in, I'm good. It needs to be, I can add value to you. And you need to think about, like, only I always say to people, only network or try and network with and target the agencies or the companies that you feel you can fit into. They align with your values. Don't just connect and throw yourself into everything for the sake of it. So, yeah, in answer to the question about how did I build my current network, what I had to get from the outset, it was understanding, right, how can I be different? How can I be different from the average person who's going to be approaching? Let's say, for example, if we're starting at building your network, it goes back beyond even to your school days. Um, most importantly, it's all about building relationships, networking. It's about building good relationships and keeping those relationships. And it's again, it will stem back from school. I've got many friends who I was at school with, who I'm still in contact with now. And 
I would like to pride myself on the fact that I'll try and keep my relationships going throughout my life. And I don't want to, whilst people probably argue that you grow out of friends or grow out of colleagues and whatever it might be, I don't necessarily believe that. I will try, try and keep in contact and connect with all these people, as, as many as I can, at least. And I think that works in a professional capacity. I will always keep in contact with yourself, please, for example. You're an old colleague. Keeping those contacts, because at some point, they will need your help, potentially, or you can help them in some way. And it might well be that they'll be able to help you. And that might be they might have um, a potential prospect client or customer who they can sort of put in your in your way at least and sort of say whether you can help them um or like i said as important you might be able to help them in some way you might have a job offer for them or be able to give them sort of the right connection so keeping good relationships with old present and new colleagues i think is important um and again bosses as well old bosses um who will always be able to give you um a hopefully a good um, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a reference, reference. A reference or a good reference. And when you first set yourself up on LinkedIn, you have to ask all of those yeah, people, like, please, can you write me a testimonial? Please, can you write me a quote? And you have to really think about who would actually give you a glowing report. And it, it, sometimes it's quite nice. It's I love writing them for other people. And actually, you know, there's some really beautiful ones. They actually mean, I think they mean more than your profile. Because I would much rather have someone go, I actually really enjoyed the process of working with you than anything else. Like this, it, it kind of like, yeah, like it, it's that I would look for that on someone's LinkedIn profile or testimonials to go, actually the process of working with you was great on top of the result. That's it. That's exactly right. And you do that. You can't help. It's like looking at people's testimonials in businesses, for example, you go to Trustpilot or whoever it might be and say, right, what do people think about this particular product they've used? And you say, right, okay, they've got, I don't know, four and a half stars out of five. They must be good. Um, so that that's just a natural instinct that we all have. Um, maybe that you could do that in a professional maybe, level. You know, maybe that's a new LinkedIn feature. How many stars yeah, out of five you can do like, everyone like that? McDonald's, like TripAdvisor, McDonald's badge, TripAdvisor for people. <laughs> but going back to what you're saying, the other thing which I I would probably say is not being afraid to try something new in terms of um, keeping and maintaining a network uh, around you. Uh, if, there's, if there are new opportunities out there, give them a go. Because at the end of the day, things come and go very quickly nowadays. Um, and certainly in terms of social media feeds. So if there's something out there you want to try, a new platform, a new way of saying something, try it. People are, you know, if it's good, people remember it. If it's not good, it will be forgotten. Just keep trying, keep trying these things. And you'll find out which channels work for you. So... Yes, LinkedIn is obviously the big well-known one for professional networking to an extent. I'm a bit different to you in that, like, I do believe don't burn any bridges. Um, but I don't have very many friends from where I'm originally from. And it's not, I just don't, like, I keep in, I keep, I have a very close network. And then I have lots of people that I'm connected to. But I think to your point, unless you keep regular contact, like you and I, have, I've regularly kept in contact. Whereas some people just want loads of people to connect to. So I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that. Like, if someone sends me a LinkedIn request unless it's I, I recognize you've got shared contacts I'm actually really I don't just say yes to anyone and I much prefer if someone sends put like attach a personal message to it like I know you have to use LinkedIn premium to do that sometimes not always like figure it out if you really want to get in touch with that person figure it out find their email there's you can get hold of anyone's information now if you want it enough go through the process to find out how to connect with them and figure out what 
what best way to connect with them. Thomas Colster, who we also had on the show, I ended up, because we were on a brand panel together, and then through following his socials and stuff, I actually ended up DMing him on Instagram because he used Instagram more. And that's how we ended up doing the podcast. So if you really want to connect with someone, think about where they go, not just what works for you. Because networking isn't just something that works for you. It's, it's what value can you add to someone else or how can you show up in their feeds. Um, and, and it changes to your point, like try different things. I, I'm a big fan of like, I join clubhouse sessions quite often which are a little bit of a rabbit hole. Sometimes you can join things and you get lost down a rabbit hole. But there's like four or four, five of them. The future has one. Um, so there's four or five that if I have time or I happen to have like a spare pocket of time, the social listening thing is interesting. I love to listen to other people depending on the topic or the area. I love even just creative industries just to hear other people's journeys. Um, and then you might, wherever you just listen, and then there might be a point where you feel you can add value or comment or, or, or say something to add that value back. So I think to your point, like try different things. Some people love to slip into people's DMs on Instagram. Personally, I don't find Instagram as a business platform. It's great to have followers and look at things. It's visually stimulating. It's mentally stimulating. But I don't necessarily think if you're thinking of networking for a work point of view, I don't necessarily think. Like I, I follow, we've talked about the Creative Rebels, the two graffiti artists, and they're on Instagram. So I actually follow them because I actually love their work. It's nice to comment on people's work and to, to kind of go, wow, like I loved it. So I think that's nice. But in terms of winning business, it depends what, what it, think to yourself, what is what is the point of me networking? It's like if you go to those events, those toast things years ago and go, I'm here because I need to sell myself and make some contacts. I've been to some that are evening events of that kind of thing, and they're horrible. Like, you meet people, they're all, like, super showy. You're like, you're not really my kind of person at all. Whereas at least if you chat to someone on social channels or you follow them on LinkedIn, you get to know them a little bit better, and you realise they're not as superficial. Co Co-working spaces are a great place to network as well. So we're not having them at the minute, but the office we're in at the minute, they've got on, we're on level 17, but on level 8, there's a co-working space. And just recently, I know we're moving buildings, so it's kind of irrelevant right now. But every day that I've been in the office recently, one of my designers goes, should we go to floor eight and make coffee? And they've got a beautiful coffee machine. They let you go and use it whenever you want. So we'll just go down. And when you stood there making coffee, you chat to someone. And it feels more organic. It's not, we've gone here to network. You just happen to be in the same space. And so I think, and I know, and it's a challenge now as well, because we're all working from home. So how do you find those places to network from home? So I, I do think sometimes it helps to be in a co-working space or to be in an environment that feels a bit less forced. Like years ago, you'd all go to a coffee shop and you might end up chatting randomly to someone in the coffee shop. Like, how do you do that now that it feels difficult. organic and I, natural? That's something I've written about as well, about the fact that sort of the with remote working becoming almost part of the norm now, those social interactions become less. And how do you make that, um, how do you make those sort of social interactions still happen, but in a remote capacity and it's just really about sort of sharing your story um in the right way in the right format but i've got one more point actually on that sort of uh the, the question about how to build your current network how did you build your current network the, the one thing that i think is always important and i still live by this to a certain extent is try and treat everyone with honor and respect their craft it's the remembrance is try and treat everyone equally and that's what i've always done it so, so any business that i've been working within uh and for your boss is 
just as important as your colleague and just as important as let's say the junior, just as important as the clerical worker or the the cleaner. Um, and I've written a note here, which I think I've always stood by it too, is the receptionist to a building is as important to me as a CEO because that receptionist is the gatekeeper to the CEO. So you just always show respect. And that, that's just the way I've been. And I, I'm a hope to think that I still do that now. I think that's something to do with how you're brought up as well, because I'm the same. Like I'd always, I chat to the cleaner at work and, 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 and it's just the respect thing. I think that actually comes down to your background and how you're brought up. Cause I've also seen people around that go like, Oh, it's just the cleaner. I know people who think like that too. And, and yeah, like my mom was a cleaner. I just, I think every role has its validity. I'm more about people who love what they do or are passionate about what they do or care about what they do. I don't care what it is that you do. Um, I, I agree. I think the hierarchy thing is something that bothers me so much. And being part of a big business, never, oh my God, there's no hierarchy here. There is. It exists in every big business and corporation. There's still a, you need to go through this person to talk to this person. And I think the world has changed. We might like to think it's changed in businesses, but it hasn't, not completely. The quality over quantity, because whilst we're talking about that, if you're treating everyone the same, what it does mean is that the people that you're sort of within your network, as we're talking about now, uh, becomes vast. So you're talking to everyone and you have to give everyone that time. You can understand why the, the hierarchical structure in these businesses and the people at the top level, they don't have time to talk to everyone equally on every level. Um, they have to sort of dissect their day to the point where, right, I've got, I don't know, let's say eight hours a day in the office. I've got to make sure that eight hours is used most efficiently as possible. I can only speak within these time frames to these people. I can't talk to everyone whilst showing respect. I think that's the most important thing. You've got to show respect to them and be respectful of their time. Um, but yes, quality over quantity. What do you think? I agree. And, and I think that's always been a challenge. And I've always been very conscious of it, even in this role that I'm in now. So I can't, there are some clients, that I can't go to every client meeting, like it clashes, or, um, you know, like, I can't be in every single briefing, it might be a really small briefing, and I have to have a creative representative, but I, like, there's no merit to me being there. But I think that's all also about how, how you build that network. And if you build it the right way, the client knows that you can't be in, they know they're not your only client and that you're not there all the time but it's all those always those organic relationships that afterwards if you check in to go I'm sorry I couldn't be there today how's everything going and you don't have to do it all the time it's like that friend that you've not seen for two years but when you call them it's like it was yesterday it's how do you retain that relationship like and I like one of my best friends lives in Brisbane I don't see him super often we went to college together but whenever we pick up the phone and we talk to each other that time just disappears and and it's like we spoke yesterday how do you do how do you nurture that with your network with your clients even with your colleagues like even there are sometimes that you know like I don't talk to every single member of my team every single day how do they still feel valuable and like they're as important as everyone else so I think that's always a challenge and it's one that I'm personally really conscious of because I would never want someone else to feel favored over someone else but you have to work on it and that and that's what everyone kind of goes like networking is about having as many contacts as you can have no, it's not. It's about how do you keep people. I think initially, though, if, you, if you're someone who's starting out in their career, you might have a slightly different perspective because you don't have a sort of a network of connections. So you have to build that up. And it might well be you've got to have that scattergun approach and say, right, I've got to target as many people as I can. 
And of course, over time, that does narrow into sort of some form of funnel. But initially, you do have to say, I want to connect as many people as I can because I don't know where my opportunity is going to come from. Um, and so that's what I've just written here is in terms of quality over quantity, at the outset, it's going to be, I want to connect with as many people as possible and I will find my tribe. I will find the people that I want to connect to and it will happen. Um, and I don't, I can't give a time frame, and that might be a year, might be two years, might be 10 years. But at some point you're going to start to, I can then narrow it down to the quantity, the quality of the connections. I think that's a really good point, Mark. And that's definitely a go-to for people who are listening to this podcast that are just starting out either a creative or, or whatever industry you're breaking into. That's a really good point. You have to go wide to start with to find out. But I also think it really helps to understand what you're interested in and even what your what aligns to your values. And then you'll naturally find your tribe a bit to go, what like what kind of people do I follow? And then from there you'll start to build out networks. I think but it's a really good point though to go actually at the start, you just want to target every, you need to send every advertising agency your toilet roll with your name and address on. <laughs> and then ultimately you'll realise which ones want the sheets of paper and which ones don't. You do have to go wide at first. But but I would say like but make make the way you connect with people authentic. Have that I mean, to the point, like old school way of doing it, the fact that you did it like you thought about it the way you connected with them, sending a toilet roll, doing your little concertina. Um, you know, PDF portfolio slash business card slash everything else you could sell yourself with, and it was very much about um, how do I how do I get in there? Um, but think about if you if because there's so many different ways you can just send someone a generic message. Don't send a generic message. Send something that just touches a little bit on why you're contacting them. I would definitely say that from someone who like when you yeah like give me a reason to kind of to show that you've actually thought about it a little bit more. I was reading something, an article today, and it was a WGSM trend report on the future of consumer, but also the future of people. It was for 2024, actually, which is seems so far away now. But they were talking about a consumer trend and, and the idea of the connector consumer and the way we connect and the way it's changing in an anti-hustle culture, which again goes back to your toast meeting. So people... Um, it's not laziness. It's not like I don't want to be sold to. It's about I'm going to be really thoughtful about the relationships I build. Um, it's and la- just it's more the way about laser that, focus, isn't it? About this, and I've got. Focus it is. Now. It's about there's an economic slowdown. Like people are very conscious of their time, not just their money. They're like, where am I going to spend my time? Um, rather than just going everywhere, like I don't necessarily want to. So I think the laser focus and the connectors of not being sold to is going to make us conscious about where we network and where we connect. I've got a couple more things I just need to sort of touch on before we sort of round up. But the first one was, and I know we wrote this down as a sort of a talking point, was the reason to network. And we've, I know we've covered it a lot here. And I'll just answer this very quickly from my perspective, is I can't think of a reason not to network. Um, the only reason would be is you just don't want to, or you have a fear of being social. Yeah. So what if you're a, what if you're an introvert, Mark, and you don't like the idea of having to connect with people you don't know? I used well, you to have be to find shy. a way. You, you you have to find a way of doing it. You have to find a way of getting over that hurdle. And it might, you know, talking at these breakfast meetings, for example, isn't for everyone. Um, but it is for some people, and it works for some people. Um putting yourself out on social media and sending sort of people what you're up to at the weekend for example is for some but isn't for other people and it's it's one of those you have to find your way to do it but from from anyone's perspective you're trying to grow a brand a business a personal brand whatever it might be 
there is going to be a degree of networking required in order to sort of develop, if you want to develop, that is, and, uh, and, and move forward. If you want to de- and I think if you want to develop is a good point. So there was an article that I shared with you uh, by a guy called Lee Storrock to rate in there, and he wrote a Medium article. And I think to your point, like if someone says to you, why do I need to network? Like I don't really like being around people. I can kind of good like the world now allows me to sit in a room and design and do my own thing. Um, and I think the way he summed it up, is it's important because it can get you into a position you want to be in with minimal effort compared to if compared to the old school way of working your way up the ladder so it's not about years ago you get a junior and then you move up actually it's very difficult to move up in an industry and in a company just by going up the ladder and no one wants to spend the time getting there um but also you learn by networking with other people it's not just about climbing up or getting to where you want to be you learn um, and he puts it in, he says, also, if you're planning on being freelance, the importance of networking becomes huge. And you know this super well, Mark, having your own business, as you really, like, it's the face of your business. It's the way you'll get most of your voice across. If you never did any networking, you'd be missing out on advice, on recommendations, and most importantly, job and client opportunities. Liz, I've, I think that I'm um, sort of coming to the back end of this, the podcast, I did write down five key ways to network. Um, I'll just run through these as bullet points because they're very quick. They're basically a summary of what we've just spoken about, really. Um, so, um, one to five. Number one, stay connected to old colleagues and bosses. And we've spoken about the reason for that. Number two, staying at the front of mind. So, update clients on what you're up to, what you're doing, and keep that as a regular, consistent sort of method of communication because. Uh, Staying out front of people's minds means that if they're ever their point where they might need someone to connect with or sort of need your service, they've got your connection details. Um, have something to offer that's potentially free and not expect an immediate return. Um, four, keep your CV forward slash LinkedIn profiles up to date, especially with how people can connect or contact with you. Uh, and my last one, is don't be shy and don't be too humble. Be proud of what you do and be proud of what you want to be doing. That makes sense? I think that last one is a great one for creators. There's people who suffer so much of imposter syndrome and not wanting to go, I'm really good at this. Like, and I'm proud to say that we don't pat ourselves on the back often enough and go, actually, I'm really good at that. And I'm actually going to add value. And there's no ego involved there. This is what I'm good at. Um, I'd like to build on that and say in terms of some some key tips in terms of how you network and when you go out there. So when you go out there or when you're on LinkedIn, I would add to that. Remember, it's not about you. First and foremost, you might go be going out there with an ultimate goal as I need to update people. It's not about you. It's about what value you bring or a point of view that adds purpose to someone else. So it kind of is about you in a roundabout way. But But remember, when you're going out there, it's actually not about you. Um, to be polite, to be presentable, to kind of think about where you're networking. If you're on LinkedIn, it's a professional platform. If you're on Instagram, you can probably be a little bit more casual with it. So think about where you're networking and the platform for it. So be presentable, be polite. Um, ask more questions than you answer. So I think it's really good to get people thinking when you're putting yourself out there. Even, even if you go to an old school networking event, ask loads of questions. People love answering questions. So I think they would be just some of my tips. So be presentable, think about your platform. Remember, it's not about you. Listen to other people um, and just ask lots of questions. And always, and this is something I used to be terrible about, is give people when you meet them. Because I find it really cheesy when people go, here's my business card. 
and I and I find it cheesy when I'm myself. But today I interviewed it's a pretty amazing um, junior designer and he came in and did business card and it reminded me of years ago when you come out of uni and you have your business card. But think about how you leave your mark. So obviously if it's LinkedIn, they've got your contact details. But I think if it's in person, like how is that person going to contact you? Is it a business card? Are you going to say, look, get in touch with me and share numbers or whatever? Make sure you leave that point. of Don't be ashamed to go, get in touch with me. This is how. I think that and offering, and offering how you can help. Isn't Here's how I can help you in some way. And it's, I don't want anything for it. Um, and I think that's the most important thing is the hard sell can be quite ugly. So it's not being too hard about it, but making sure that you're getting your message across clearly. So here's what I do. And if I can help you, just give me a shout. Well, Elise, this has been absolutely amazing. I've loved it. Um, I'm going to go and do a bit more networking this afternoon, I think. All right, no Lisa. sheep today, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> no more. No more moving a dead sheep. They're, they're, yeah, I think they're all still alive. I can hear them in the background. <laughs> Liz, well, I look forward to the next one, Mark. Absolutely. Thanks ever so much. Speak soon. Bye. Thanks. Speak soon. See ya.